0: Thank you for joining us today for the Conform to Christ podcast, where we aim to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays, and with me, as always, is Jay Jones. Good morning, Jay. Good morning. Today is Text Driven Tuesday. That's right. Yep. And we are coming off of Christmas holiday. Mm-hmm. Did you have a good Christmas?
1: Yep. Well, I did.
2: We. uh we weren't very busy, so that's how I like it. Yeah, yeah. I don't love to run, to run around and be busy, and right. That's not that's not our that's not our style.
1: Yeah, yep. Just kind of hang out. Yep. What about you?
0: Uh, we went to uh, see my family. It's the first time that we've seen my family in person since February. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's been a long time. It's a long
2: time since it.
0: Since the uh, the On quarantine, yeah. yeah, in March. Wow. Yeah, um, we've we've uh, done a Facebook chat before, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, this is the first time that we've seen them in person.
2: Well, that's nice.
0: Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good. Uh, I am coming to the awful realization every time we go visit my my parents that their house is just way too small (laughs) for all of our, all of our family for all your kids. Yeah. And it's just going to get worse as the kids get bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know where we're going to put them all. (laughs) Yep. So it was a, it was a little rough for me. You know, I'm, I'm, I like to be left alone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I like to, I like to have my, my, my space. You need your private time. I need
0: my private time. And, uh, it just wasn't happening. Yeah. So I told I told Julia as we were heading home. This was the this was the shortest long trip <laughs> because <laughs> we were there for a week. Um, but it it felt really short when we were leaving, like oh it's time to go home now. But at the same time it felt <laughs> it felt really long. <laughs> yeah. Because um, it's just it was just my parents and, and me and my sister growing up. I mean it's a it's not a very big house. Yeah. Um it was it was big enough for us growing up but now with with all the kids. Yeah. <laughs> it was rough. <rather, laughs> yeah. It was good to see everyone though. Yeah, good. Yeah, it was really good to see them.
2: Yeah. It was a nice Christmas. We had a little Christmas yeah. Eve service here and yeah, we watched uh, it uh,
0: yeah. we watched it on the live stream.
2: Yeah, we did a candlelight service and I was surprised to find that it's not like a normal Baptist thing maybe. I don't know. Angie had never done one until oh, really? until we did them. Um, and she grew up in the Baptist church and wow. is that about cuz I, I, I mean I was in the army military chapel right. and we always did those so is that not a thing?
0: Um I I remember doing them probably every year.
2: Okay. It just depends I guess where you're from.
0: I guess it's just the what what Baptist church you're in yeah. uh gro- growing up. I I remember doing christmas eve candlelight services uh the church that we did let's see yeah church in kentucky we would do it yeah i don't i don't know Hmm.
2: interesting yeah
0: it looked like a good service
2: (laughs) yeah that's i mean i i always like it but it's kind of sentimental to me because i've done them since i was a little kid yeah
0: yeah yeah it looked good on the live stream Nice. Uh, we missed being here. Yeah. But uh, yeah. All right. Well, today uh, again is it's text driven Tuesday, mm-hmm. and uh, this is the uh, the episode where we talk about the sermon that was preached on Sunday, and you preached. I'm feeling a little left out. It's been it's been a little bit since I preached.
2: Yeah. Yep. The other elders went, Good. and then now it's you. Now it's me.
0: Now you're yep. on. Um. And and this one was. This was a, a unique sermon because it wasn't part of any series. This yeah. was this was um, we call it, we call it kind of topical,
2: kind of yeah, kind of topical.
0: Um, but the not strictly when, topical. When we, yeah, when we talk about topical sermons, we we mean something a little bit different than what uh, other other churches right. might mean when they they talk about topical. I I grew up. On topical sermons and I'm, uh-huh. I'm sure if you if you go to um, you know a typical Southern Baptist Church that's probably what you're getting yeah you're probably getting topical sermons what kind
2: of well I, kinda, how, how does that operate then in that and that what you're talking about
1: well how what you grew up what
0: with. that means is you take a topic mm. and then you find you find passages or Bible verses that fit that topic okay and so what you're doing is you're you're often you're often taking a verse, or a, a short passage, or a story, and you're jumping. You're using that to jump into your topic, okay. and then as you go along, you're you're flipping all over the place okay, to find gotcha. kind of proof text for ah. for those topics. But when we talk about topical sermons here, we're we we mean something different, uh-huh. uh, and because I I think that every sermon is topical. Yeah, like you have you have a main point. Yeah, and and that's your topic. But the difference is you're not taking the topic first and then finding Bible verses to go along with it. You're you're taking the passage. Yes. And whatever that whatever that passage's main point, that's your topic. Yeah. And so that's what you did. Mm-hmm. We do topical sermons. Right. But our topic come from the passage we're doing we're doing exegesis. Yeah. Um, I, I'm fine with topical sermons. As long as they are exegetical. Yeah. As as the topic is coming out of the text. Yeah. Not not the other the, way around. That's, so that's what the what term you, exegetical means, right? Right. It's out, of, out, of, the out of the text. So that's what you did. You did you did a topical sermon. You did you did uh Philippians chapter three, verses twelve through sixteen. Yeah. So not, topical... Not in any series that you're doing.
2: Yeah. Topical is like a break from the series that we're right. so I'm in John, which right. I'll be back in next week. John yeah. sixteen. This was a special break. From that, yeah.
0: right. So this was the last sermon of the year. Mm-hmm. So let's have you let's have you read the passage, and then I want to ask you why you chose this this passage. Okay, and then we can walk through the passage. All right. How's yeah. that sound? Yeah, sounds good. I'll right. read it. All right. So Philippians chapter three verses twelve through sixteen.
2: Okay, so Paul to the church of Philippi, writing from prison to the church that he planted. Not that I have already obtained this or. Am already perfect but i press on to make it my own because christ jesus has made me his own brothers i do not consider that i have made it my own but one thing i do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead i press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of god in christ jesus let those of us who are mature think this way and if anything you think otherwise god will reveal that to you also only let us hold true to what we have attained very good. Yeah, and you preached through Philippians before. Yeah, Philippians. I start. I it's the first book I ever preached okay. through. Uh, it's one of my favorite books in okay. the whole Bible, and okay. I've not only have I preached through it. Whenever I visit somewhere, I preach from it okay. a, a lot. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, I don't want to hear you making fun of me for preaching out of Hebrews anymore, Jay. <laughs> it's <laughs> that's my go. That's, that's my go-to book. Go. Whenever I go somewhere, yeah. that's that's usually what I'm preaching right. from. Yeah. Um, okay, so why did you choose this passage? You you preached through this book before, uh-huh. so there's a lot of things that you could have you could have chosen, right? Um, so this is the last Sunday of the year. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose this? Particular passage.
2: So I'm 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 thinking through as I'm I know what I want to do, and what I wanted to do was to minister to our church and you know whoever else is watching, and to help to people to refocus because I feel like 2020 and what it's done in a lot of ways has um, distracted us from the main things that are important. Mm-hmm. So you have all this, you have different various cultural pressures and changes happening in 2020. You know, obviously, the obvious one's coronavirus. People are uh, various levels of obsession with this and uh, paranoia regarding Mm -hmm. it. And really it comes down to, uh, for people that get into an unhealthy obsession with that, it's uh, just a worrying about health. So maybe an idolatry of health and vitality. And so that causes a lot of stress uh, but then rolling out of that, you have all kinds of financial hardships that, that hit people. You do have real health issues. I mean, I had it. We were in our house for almost a month, yeah. and that's not fun. Right. Uh, you have all those stressors, financial stressors, people losing businesses. You know, you name it. On top of that, we had all the racial tension this year, and people politicized that racial tension to make it worse. Um, you had in the church various things going on. Uh, critical race theory and intersectionality have crept into the churches. P- people like, oh, there's nothing to see here, but obviously there's a lot to see here. A lot of people are subscribing to it while denying they're subscribing to it. They're talking out of both sides of their mouth. You've got leaders that we look up to caving to it, or if they don't cave to it, they're just they're being kind of like uh, cowardly and not speaking out against it. So 2020 in many ways for me. It, it distracted me, mm-hmm. and so you know, maybe like a month or so ago, I just realized like, I just I'm not I don't have joy in in God like I did. Like I, I'm comparing looking back like at my conversion. Uh, I have more theology than I've ever had in my life, more Bible knowledge than I've ever had in my life, um, and I and where and I don't have this joy. Like where what happened to it? Um, I think we could we could all it's beneficial to have a time of introspection like that. Mm-hmm. It could be unhealthy if that's all you do, but right. a lot of people never do it. They don't they don't examine what's going on. And so the reality is, is I think I just took my eye off off of God. I you know all of these things are distractions from what's important. Yeah. And so I know if that's happened to me, I'm pretty sure it's happened to a Lot of people in our church, right? And so, that the idea was, how, how can I preach a topical sermon that's going to help people to refocus on God in 2021? Because mm-hmm. here's what we know is going to happen, right? 2021 is going to come, you know, it'd be where 2020 is over, it's the worst year of all time, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> uh but. Twenty twenty is going to end. Twenty twenty one is going to have all the same things.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's not. There's nothing magical about the calendar flipping over to January one.
2: <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Nothing's going to change. Uh, contested presidential election. Uh, all of these things are going to continue. Uh, so we can't just we can't continue to live in this this fashion. We can't right. can't live like this. So how do we refocus? And
0: and it, it's. I mean, this is easy yeah. to to get distracted. And that's that's I think what's going on in Second Corinthians is um, Paul's having to reorient the the Corinthians to living by faith because yeah. every everything that they're they're believing and just how they're living out their theology is based on what they see. Yeah, and Paul has to reorient them to well, it's the things that are unseen. Yeah. That are important, right? Um, the things that you see—they're—they're they're transient, and so, mm-hmm. like you, like you said, all the things that we are seeing all around us, um, and on top of all the things you you listed. I mean, this has been a hard year for for me. I've been to the doctor more this year than I think I've been in in the past ten years mm-hmm. <laughs> with with just medical problems, and it's it's easy. It's really easy to um, to kind of focus on the, the things that you actually can see, you can feel, you, you're experiencing, and you lose sight of the things that are really important
2: that you can't see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'm looking, thinking, praying about what to do, and I come back to Philippians, just, you know, looking through the Bible and various passages, and and I think I find here in this passage, a passage that, you know, I don't have to do a topical... Here's one verse. Here's another verse. Right. Here's another verse. I can just sit down and say, "Hey, here's what Paul said to the Philippian church <laughs> right. about how to be focused. Yeah, like what's important in life.
0: It's it's almost as if there's nothing new under the sun, <laughs> and that the believers in the first century they were experiencing the same kind of hardships that that we experience. Right. <laughs> we we like to uh, we like to think that um, that we're experiencing something unique. Yeah. And um, the the Christians throughout the church the church age they've been experiencing the same kinds of hardships they they they're they're, right. they're being tempted in the same ways that we're being tempted um, and so we go back to the scriptures we yeah. go back to what th- this is this is timeless truths these are this is relevant to um, every every year it's not just 2020 mm-hmm. it's not just um, you know, the the first century. This is timeless. So yeah. wherever you find yourself, you're going to be experiencing some of the same kind of hardships. You're going to be tempted to the same kind of distractions. And so we we need the we need the cure. And the cure is God's word mm-hmm. as the apostle is laying out for us. Yeah. So you uh you you called this uh your your main sentence I guess. Mm-hmm your main proposition is that these are five qualities of Christian maturity to cultivate in 2021 to produce joy in Christ. Right. So your main, your main goal is not self-help. It's not, um, you know, 10 steps to a better you Mm in 2021. Right. Yeah. Your, your focus is to produce joy Mm -hmm. in Christ. Yeah. And I, I think that we, maybe it's a Western thing, we want the end result, and we want give me the steps. Yes. give me the steps to to get where I want to go. Right, and what you're you're doing is you're trying to focus us on what's really important, which is Christ. Yeah, and so uh, this this was really convicting for me and and helpful. Um, so you you had five qualities yeah. from this passage mm-hmm. that we we ought to strive strive for. Yeah, um, in the in the coming year. Yeah, so let me give the f- the five, okay. and then we can just walk through them. Yeah, all right. So uh, five qualities: humility, tenacity, clarity, uh, security, and unity. Mm-hmm. So let's just walk through these. They're okay. they're found in the passage. Um, so we want to have the the scriptures in front of us as we go through this. So the first quality that. Uh, for Christian maturity that we need to cultivate for the, the coming coming years, humility. Right. All right. So that's um, that's something we hear about. <clears throat> yeah. That's that's something that uh, you know it's kind of the the Christianese. Mm-hmm. We need to we need to be humble. Uh, what is humility? And then why is this? How how does this produce joy in our lives? Okay.
2: So why I think this is great. Uh, for us to understand because of all the things that have happened last year. Um, well, first, I'll answer your question. What is humility? I think I think humility is having a proper assessment of yourself. That's really all it is, right? Um, you don't want to have a false sense of humility, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're actually really good at something... And you just come across and you're just like really pious, and you say, Oh, no, no. <laughs> you know, I'm really, I'm not, I'm not good at that. You know, yeah. like that's, that's not, that's not true. Uh-huh. It, you know, have a, a proper understanding of who you are. Um, that's what we need to have, and what's what we need to have to cultivate. And that means we have to, we have to be self aware. Anyone that's going to grow in any field needs to be self aware. Like you've got to be self aware. So you know, this is something I try to cultivate in my children. Right? Uh, they excel at a lot of things, and so from the time they were very little, I'd always it always come back to you. Well, why are why are you so good at this thing? And the answer isn't well, I put in more time than anybody else. The answer is, it always comes back to you, is, and that they believe is well, God gave God graced, like gave me this. He graced me with this gift. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so there's really at the end of the day, there's nothing about you that made you different than someone else, other than what God did for you. That cultivates a right way for a Christian to understand things.
0: My wife is going to get on to me when she watches this, but we were talking about this, and she said that one of the things that she always uh, tells our children is, no matter how good you are at something, there's always going to be someone that's better.
2: There, there will be. <laughs> there's
0: always, yeah. You're, you're not going to be the, the top forever. Right. And no matter how good you are at something, there's always going to be someone that that's going to be better than
2: you. That's right. And yeah.
0: that's that's important also. Yeah. To understand that you're not you're not the you're not the end. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So it's that's that's good.
2: Yeah. And, and Paul he is humble. Right. Uh, this section comes off of um, kind of his own personal section, which began back in chapter three. Um, and that here at the end of it, you know, he kind of walks through how he was an incredible Jew. Mm-hmm. He, If anyone could be saved by following the law, it would have been Paul. Not that he's sinless, but he just does what the law requires. Uh, he's, you know, he's got his genealogy, like all these things. And he says all this, this stuff is worthless compared to what I have now, what I've gained. And what has he gained? He gained it by faith. And that's a righteousness that's not his own. It's a righteousness of Christ that comes by faith. And then he begins to reflect on that, and kind of the reality of living after having uh, received righteousness, the justification that comes by faith, and he's living between that and what comes at the end time, and what he does is he's trying to know Christ more. He's He's like, you know, whatever I have now, what he says is, I want to know Him and the power of His resurrection, and being like Him in His suffering. Uh, so he's willing to suffer, to know Christ more, all these things, and the end result is that he attains the resurrection of the dead. So if anyone could be prideful about who they are as a Christian, I think, I mean, I really think Paul may be the greatest Christian, and what I mean by that is a person that followed Jesus, he may be the greatest follower of Christ ever to live. He's seen Jesus, he's done all these great missionary things, you know, he's gone all over the world, he's taken on the culture, he's Preach the gospel in front of uh, these different, various pantheons of gods, and he's he's brought the gospel with such power; it's caused riots in cities, and like I mean, like no one's like him, right? Even I mean, like even our greatest evangelists, they they don't do they they haven't done what Paul does. And then what does he say? He says, "Not that I've already obtained it. I've not obtained this. I'm I'm not already perfect." And then verse thirteen, I do not consider to have made it my own. So right off the bat, he's demonstrating for Philippians the type of humility that we need to have. Um, That's a great example for us. Um, We're not perfect, and kind of why I think this is important for us. One thing that happens with Christians, I know, if I can speak personally to my experience of last year with so many things that happened, is you begin to look out, uh, look out at the church world. And that can really create a, a, a growing cynicism, if you aren't careful. Because what did we see? We saw the, cur- the church caving, um, speaking out of both sides of their mouth. Like all these leaders that we look up to, uh, I mean, you and I have talked about it. It's documented on Free For All Fridays. Almost all of them have compromised in some, some way. Not all of them, but a lot of them, ones we really used to look up to. Um, and that can really create some cynicism, and, and you can become disillusioned, which it did for me. And so I know if other people out there, they probably experience the same thing. And the problem is, is there's such an outward focus. Last year produced this really major out, outward focus where I'm looking at all these things, I'm reading all these different articles about these things, um, I'm trying to analyze how, what is going on, what, why are they doing that, uh, what does this mean for our seminaries the convention like what you know all this stuff so there's that the church world but there's also just the culture in general right that 2020 it was a hot mess you know the, the the meme is that it's a dumpster fire and it's and it's right I mean we're seeing the culture not just with coronavirus and government overreach but we're just seeing the culture implode on itself as it rejects God um, you have uh, the homosexual revolution really, was complete five years ago when uh, the Obergefell decision passed right. the Supreme Court. But, right. you know, that didn't stop, and it moved right from there to the transgender revolution. Mm-hmm. And so you you have this, com- this outward focus. You're looking at these things, and, you know, I think to myself, I, I don't want my kids to grow up in this world. Like, it's relentless. It's like the culture's trying to outdo itself in its depravity. And it won't stop just with the the ground it's gained. It wants total acceptance by everyone. And so instead of having a growing sense of compassion, which we should have, I think in, in me, as I continually looked at all this is going on, it, it it kind of began to create some resentment even. And the reality of all of this is that there's too much, too much looking outward, not enough looking inward. And that's what this passage, that's what Paul, I think, he helps us. Is he say, okay, listen, I'm not perfect. Now, if Paul can say, I'm not perfect, then we have to look at ourselves, and we, we have to come to the same conclusion. We right. have, we're still sinners. Mm-hmm. What do we have? Like, we come back to what I tell my kids. What do you have that was not given to you? Mm-hmm. And, we, and, the, and the answer is, you don't have anything. If it's not for the grace of God, uh, we would be compromisers. But more for the grace of God we're capable of anything right. that anyone else is capable of yeah. and so when you begin to look at yourself and say okay the, the world is a mess even the people that I look up to it appears you know they've disappointed me um, but if I look at myself I'm much more of a disappointment than them <laughs> but the reality is is my business just isn't aired out for everybody to know yeah like if we could not walk into the church if 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 all of our church people knew about if we could just see everything about each other, no one would want to come, but God. <laughs> right. God knows all of that stuff. Yeah, like you can't hide any of this stuff from God. Um, we just don't look at ourselves very much. So if we look at ourselves, it'll create a sense of humility, I think, and it'll keep us from that growing cynicism and resentment and disillusionment with the world. Because I, I need to be fo- I need to be focused on me mm-hmm. primarily, yeah, before other things,
0: right. All right, so humility, we need to um, cultivate humility. And this comes with Christian maturity. Like as you become more mature as a Christian, uh, that that's kind of the 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 I don't know, irony of being a Christian is the longer you're a Christian, the the worse sinner you see yourself as. Yeah. And um you, so we need to cultivate that humility. The second quality that you said we need to uh, we need to be cultivating is tenacity. Mm-hmm. That's not a word that we hear very often. Yeah. yeah. So we're gonna have to define tenacity.
2: Um, how can we define it? <laughs> yeah. um, hey, you used the
0: word <laughs> tena-
2: tenacity. Is like having a a vigor about something. That you believe or you're going after, right? So, zeal. Uh, yes, it's, but it's, it's even, it's more than zeal because it gets at, I think it gets at a, uh, we think of zealots in purely an action form, but tenacity has like a belief behind it, right? Where, um, where you're not going to stop if you get knocked down. Okay. Like you can be zealous, and somebody can smack you down, and that might kill your zeal. Right. But there's not killing a tenacity. Yeah. It's going to continue okay. despite the circumstances, and All that's right. kind of the idea uh, behind, I think, what Paul is communicating here. Okay.
0: And you get this from several words that he uses here mm-hmm. in this passage. I press on. Mm-hmm. I press on to make it my own. Um. Yeah. This is strai- straining forward.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, verse, verses 13, uh, 12 and 13 kind of repeat themselves, 12, 13, 14, same ideas communicated uh, various ways. There's the humility, then there's also this pursuit language, and that's the main verb. That's the verb that drives this passage. It's okay. the verb for pursue, mm-hmm. uh, which means to actively chase after, Okay. to strive for.
0: You said this was a, a militaristic... Right. So the verb
2: only has meaning within the context of sentences, that's like any other verbs. And usually people will jump right into the race metaphor, which Mm -hmm. comes up in verse 14, I think, very clearly. But before we get there, what Paul's done something interesting. He's coupled this verb with another verb. He makes a kind of like a verbal clause, and it makes it different than what we would think of a runner running a race. It makes it more almost like, I don't know, violent, (laughs) Is the right word or vulgar? So we would we would we could say seize Mm -hmm. or to acquire by force. That's different, right?
0: Okay. Yeah, it's stronger. (laughs) Yeah,
2: and so the idea of I think what is communicated here, uh, you have the cultural background of Philippi being this military community. Um, It it carries the idea because the verb can uh, pursue can also mean to like march forward an objective if you're speaking in military ways. So if you couple this verb with to seize or to acquire or to make my own, you end up with something like you're marching toward an objective in order to take it. Yeah, That's kind of what he's getting at. And so that's that, that carries with it a level of purposeful intensity. We say tenacity.
0: Yeah. And um, th- this is active, Mm-hmm. Like, this, isn't, this isn't something that you can—you can't be passively
2: tenacious. Yeah, you can't just be coasting through life and say, this applies to me. Right. I mean, this is—I this is, said this—if you could pick a verb to describe Paul's life, it's this verb. Mm-hmm. But you could think about it incorrectly. You could say, well, obviously, look at all the great things he did. <laughs> right. But when then you realize he's writing this from a jail cell where he can't do anything right. other than write a letter,
1: mm-hmm.
2: he's stuck in jail— he's talking about himself in this way that he's he's pursuing. Yeah. Like he's pursuing Christ in this way mm-hmm. from a jail cell. Right. So it's 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 got to go beyond where you can just get out and go out into the world and do things. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's more personal than that. It's something you can do anywhere at any time right. regardless of the circumstances you can be pursuing Christ in this way. Yeah.
0: So how do we do this? You know, we're, we're supposed to be tenacious we're supposed to be pursuing and pressing on and, and trying to seize hold of Christ how, how do, just just break this down in a very practical way for for our listeners how can you do this because you you hear this and you know um you we've already talked about humility you need to have a right assessment of yourself right. you're and you may realize I haven't been doing this yeah um I'm i've been I've been pursuing Worldly things. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you're telling me that I needed to be tenacious in pursuing Christ. Um, how do I do this? What What do I do?
2: Well, I think we'll get into some of the practical things of doing um, when we get to the to the next uh, the, the kind of the next attitude we need to be cultivating when we talk about clarity. Okay. But what we have to answer first is why should I do this? Mm. I think because it gets to it gets to the motivation okay. for even doing it or attempting to do it. So why is Paul tenacious in his pursuit of Christ? And the answer comes clear from the text. Um, it's that Christ pursued and overtook him. He says, uh, you know, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So that's his that's his motivation. That's the answer as to why. Why is Paul living this way? We can think wrongly that um, this is something I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to pursue God. I'm supposed to pursue Christ. And if I do that enough, then well, then God accepts me. And no matter how many times we hear the gospel, we can always fall back into that way of seeing uh, our relationship with God in this kind of transactional way. And it's really hard to get yourself motivated. Now, granted, that's the world's religions, that's the way many people view Christianity even, is if I am motivated, if I am tenaciously pursuing God, well, then I get re- rewards back from God, one of which would be knowing Him and having eternal life. But that's not really the gospel at all, and that's not the key to even trying to live this way, or being motivated to live. And the key to being motivated to pursuing Christ comes from knowing um, how you began in the first place. And so the same language Paul uses of what he's doing, he says, I do this because Christ already Mm. has pursued and overtaken me. He's made me his own. And we know where that comes from. Yeah, we know what he what he's talking about. Right, right? he's talking about his own um, conversion experience, um, which I mean is it's a it's a great visual picture for the reality that happens to everyone that becomes a Christian. But his is just so unique because you see it outwardly. Right. Here's a man. He's in, he's defiant to God. He's zealous right maybe this is the a, a difference he's zealous for the law he's trying to, he's trying to actively pursue and overtake christians yeah and snuff out christianity he's on he's on his way to do that he's in pursuit of christians but while he's in pursuit jesus is pursuing him and he pursues him on the damascus road he overtakes him and by the by the overpowering um force of his grace, Paul's captured. Yeah. That's the image. That's the language. Right. He's been seized by the gospel.
0: Yeah. And and this is going to be um I, I think that this tenacity you're talking about, it it comes from um the strong view of God's grace. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not God saves us when we come into cooperation with him and we decide Right. To invite Jesus into our hearts. Yeah. Right? Um, and so I think, as as I was listening to you talk about this, I, I think maybe the reason why a lot of Christians just coast through life is that they don't have this deep view of God's grace. Yeah. They have this view of, well, God offers an invitation, he's knocking at the door of my heart, and, uh, I, you know, yeah. at some point I decided I would let him in. Yeah. And that's not that's not the biblical view of, of salvation that's not the biblical view of of grace right the the biblical view is we were dead in our sins and trespasses we were actually enemies mm-hmm. we were actively hating God and then God, according to his own grace gracious mercy, he saved us yeah not not because we took a step towards God God did 100 percent. Of the pursuing and the capturing, yeah. And if we had that view, if we thought deeply upon what that means, that if it if it was left up to me, I'd still be dead in my sins. I'd yeah. still be rebelling against God. That there is there is not even um, an an inkling of a thought that is inclined towards God. It's all hate. Yes except God in his grace, he has captured us. He's overcome you. Yeah, he's, he's overcome, overcome our unbelief. Yeah.
2: Right. And he, and this, I mean, a lot of Christians just coast through life, like you said. Right. And, and I think 2020 has done that for a lot of people. Yeah. What we need to do is remember this. And that's
0: and what I was it's trying e- to... Dr- it's, yeah. It's, it's easy to coast through the Christian life when you're being told, oh, online church is just as good as... Mm-hmm. as being gathered together Mm -hmm. you can sit in your living room in your pjs with your bowl of cereal yeah and watch (laughs) watch people worship yeah um so yeah you're you're right we're we're we've been faced with this decision are we going to coast through life because it's it's easier to do that yeah Uh, you know we're we're going to get backlash if we insist that we have to be in person Mm -hmm. to to but if we really thought deeply about God's grace, we would be tenacious yeah. in in pursuing Him yeah. as He's pursued us. Yeah,
2: it comes as a response when right. you understand all that's been done for you. Uh, it it's it motivates you to, yeah. to, to live for Him. Right. Right. So that's that's the idea.
0: Okay. So we need to we need to be cultivating humility, tenacity, and now clarity. Yeah. And clarity of purpose. Yeah. So we're supposed to be tenaciously pursuing Christ. Mm -hmm. We need to have that clarity of purpose.
2: Yeah. And verses 13 and 14, the metaphor does switch to that of a runner. Okay, It's clear. I press on for the goal of the prize. Um, And this this kind of language comes from the races that everybody would know about in this time period. Uh, There was a race called the Stadion Race, which was a 210-meter race. It's like our 100-meter race, but longer.
1: And what Thanks found, for doing that math yeah, for us. Yeah.
2: So you could think the Olympics, right. the sprint. You know, everyone loves to watch that sprint, yeah. that 100-meter sprint. I mean, the others are cool, too, but that's the one everybody wants. Well, this is kind of the one everybody watched. And it was like ours, our, our day. There's a a field that people ran on and circled around them, in seating was, you know, the spectators and kind of a coliseum. And what I, thought, what I found to be interesting is, you know, we call it a stadium. Mm-hmm and that's because you watched in a circle right athletic performance on the field uh, at a stadium, at a stadion race yeah so not all words have that type of etymology you know you can actually mess there there can be if you try to do it with some theo, theological words you can mess up yeah. but some words you know are clear we get that from the past and i think what paul's getting at is you know runners have one purpose in life and they run to win yeah they're running to win the prize. They're they're one the one, you know, they drop the twine, that's what they would do. They drop a twine. There's no gun. Boom, the runner's running. Like everything in this runner's body is is going toward what his eyes are fixated on, which is to cross the goal. And so a runner can't be running and like turning around backwards yeah. to the side to see where people are. When you're sprinting, there's a clarity of purpose. Not only that, I mean just in a runner's life, a runner has one purpose in life, to train, to compete, to win. Right. He's running for the prize. That's that's what Paul brings up yeah. in this passage. And I think, I mean, the, it, it almost just takes care of itself. It preaches itself. Um, that's the way we're supposed to run the Christian life, with that type of clarity. We're running toward... Uh, and the question is, what is the goal in this passage? Oh well, yeah, that's
0: what I was. That's what I was going to bring up. You know, there, there's a lot of different things that people are racing towards. Yeah, I mean, the the world is is chasing all kinds of of different distractions, mm-hmm. whether it be success in their job or a bigger paycheck or just happiness. You're right. Uh, comfort. I, I think that twenty if if twenty twenty has done one thing, it's revealed the idol of of comfort. Yeah, uh, we want to be comfortable and. 2020 has been anything but. Yeah. Um there's all these things that we're chasing. Christians often can get distracted and yeah. we chase after these things. And and like you said in the sermon, some of these are legitimate. Yeah. They're they're legitimate things. Mm-hmm. It's it's okay to want to succeed in your employment. Yeah. Christian should be the the best employee. Um it's it's okay to um want to have financial stability. Yeah. Christians don't have to be impoverished mm-hmm. um that there are things that are legitimate but there's also illegitimate things mm-hmm. um, and and these legitimate desires they become illegitimate when we put them as the when they become the, ultimate. when they become ultimate when they become the goal uh, but but for christians they can think we're we're running for this prize yeah and often that prize is not going to hell <laughs> right right um What is the prize?
1: Yeah. um,
2: uh, Not only Christians are running for heaven, by the way. Right. I'd make that known. Like, we need to understand that. Yeah. Muslims are running for heaven. Mm -hmm. Right. Jews are running for heaven. Buddhists are running for nirvana, right? Or Hindu, the Hindus are running. They're running for their version of. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, But if we just stick with the monotheistic religions, they're all running for heaven. Yeah, you're right what is a Christian running for? Yeah, That's the question. What is the prize? What is the treasure for a Christian? Um, and I think, obviously, I believe that the Bible helps us to interpret itself. I think Jesus' understanding of what the prize is, is himself. Mm-hmm. And he gives several parables that would lead me to believe that, one of which is, you know, he's, he says a parable like, hey, and and we can we can grasp this parable today because just imagine we live out in this place where there's all this land in this big country. If you were out on, on some land and you found a a giant treasure that was like would make you richer than Jeff Bezos,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and no one knew it was there, and what would you do to get that field? Because the owner of the field gets the prize, right? What would you do to get it? Yeah. Everything in your life would become about getting that prize. Yeah. You'd sell all of your possessions. You'd get your family to sell all their possessions. <laughs> right. Whatever you had to do to own that field, you would do to gain the prize. Yeah. And Jesus is the treasure. Right. That's the whole point of his parable. It's him. Yeah. Right. He's the treasure. Um, and he's the goal. He's the prize. He's why Christians run the race. And it's all about knowing him. Uh, Which we're pursuing in life, Paul knows that he's not already perfect, which means completion. Coming at completion or perfection is not just sinless perfection; it's a full and total knowing of Christ, which can't come until uh, we die or or he returns and we're glorified. Uh, One of those things, and then we'll know him. You know, we'll we'll be beyond the limitations of our sinful body and our sinful mind, and we'll be able to know him fully. We, we know him in increasing measures now and that's what we ought to be chasing after but he's the ultimate goal he's the ultimate prize and that's who we're running to acquire mm-hmm. to win like, to win the race um, to get to him
0: yeah and um, if we're chasing other things we're going to be discouraged we're going to lack that joy because they they never fully satisfy mm-hmm but if we if we chase after Christ, um, he he is ultimate. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's where you find ultimate satisfaction. That's where you right. find ultimate love and peace and and joy. Yeah. And so if you're chasing if you're chasing after these things that can be um, tainted or um, taken away because of circumstances in your life, you're you're going to be left wanting. But no matter what happens, no matter what happened in twenty twenty, no matter what happens in twenty twenty one, if you're chasing after Christ, yeah, um, he, there's there's nothing there's nothing that could happen that would that would take that away from you. Yeah, he's he's there.
2: Everything else can be taken. You can lose everything else. Yeah. Um, and so he, he kind of tells you how to do it, and how do you how do you run like this with this level of. Intensity. And he says, First, I uh, forget what lies behind. Mm-hmm. So, what lies behind for Paul, his former life of Judaism? Um, he's combating what's trying to creep into the church, which is uh, the Judaizers. And they're trying to tell the Christians they can acquire like a higher level of being a Christian if they become a Jew. Yeah. And so, this type of Christian perfectionism become a Jew, be circumcised, and you get it's a higher level. It's uh, And Paul's like, No, I forget what lies behind. Um, for the Philippians, and they've got to forget their former way of life as pagan idolaters. Yeah. Like the <laughs> temptation is to fall back into that, yeah. right? Right. What were you gonna say?
0: Well, I, I think that you know Paul says that as to zeal, he was a persecutor of the church. Yeah. So I I think the things that he has to to remember lie behind him. Yes. Is also this the sin you can't that he committed as an unbeliever? Like he can't go back and change that. Right.
2: And he can't beat himself up over it continually, right. which is different than having humility. Mm-hmm. Like we ought to have the correct assessment: I am not perfect; yeah. I am still a sinner; I still need grace. Right. That's different than wallowing in your former sin, yeah. like that. You know. So that's and the metaphor works perfectly because yeah. you may have a terrible start at your race. Yeah. Well, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna run to win, you can't dwell <laughs> right. on that. Yeah. There's a there you is got to run right now.
0: There is an unhealthy introspection. Yeah. That becomes idolatrous because yeah. all of a sudden you're taking your eyes off of Christ and you're putting them on yourself. Yeah, and you've made you've made yourself into
2: an idol. Yeah, and and it's perfect for this passage because as you're preaching through this passage, people might think I'm not humble, mm. I'm not tenacious, I don't have a clarity. Yeah. Well, fine, forget what lies behind. All <laughs> right, you have today, and today you can run. Yeah, um, or you may look back and say, "Man, I had such a great start." Yeah. Uh, well, that's cool. Uh, what about today? <laughs> right. Forget what lies behind. Yeah. You've got today, and yeah. you've got to run today. Yeah, I that's the idea. That
0: that was um, that was encouraging when you said that. We have today. Mm-hmm. Like that's all you have. You have today. Yeah. You can't go back. You can't go back yesterday and fix anything. You you can't you can't go back and change anything. And mm-hmm. tomorrow's not promised for us. All we have is today. Yeah. What are we doing today?
1: Yeah.
2: Right. So, you first thing, you let go of the past, let go of what lies behind. Second, you strain forward. Um, it's to strain forward. It obviously, sounds more than just sitting by passively. <laughs> right. We're back to the active language. Uh, it means like to reach out, like a runner would reach out. You know, when they cross the finish line, they're trying to reach their body out to 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 cross. Um, and so, I brought up this phrase, "Let go and let God," which is pretty popular, <laughs> right? And that just Jesus can't. take the will, yeah. That's just not the Christian life. The right. Christian life isn't that. Yeah, um, it's active. It's kind of hidden in the words uh, "follow me." <laughs> right. And Jesus said, "If you be my disciple, yeah, you take up your cross and you follow me." That's yeah. kind of an active thing, following. Right. And so striving after mm-hmm. uh, it's exertion, right, like an athlete. And so we are to be constantly striving forward. Um. Christ. To Christ. To yeah. attain Christ.
0: Yep. And again, this is um if you knew what you were you were chasing after, if you knew what you were trying to to get to, um, you'd probably probably do it with more tenacity.
2: Again, we're back to the treasure hidden in a right. field. What would you do right. to become the richest man on the planet? Yeah. If you knew you could actually get it. Right. And it it's right there waiting for you. You just gotta get the field. Right. With every ounce of energy you had in your body you do whatever it took yeah that's the idea right
0: all right well the uh, the fourth um, quality is a sense of security mm-hmm. now why is this important why is this something that we need to um, be be working to cultivate why is why is this uh, a quality of Christian maturity
2: well, I think, um, and so there is this sense that we need to have a sense of introspection and a proper assessment of ourself, but it can't stay there, right? Mm-hmm. And in the Christian life, our focus needs to be continually away from ourselves, not that it's on other people, right. like other, oh, look at the world, look, I'm not like the world, I'm not like that Christian, I'm not like this. Our sense of outward looking is always to God. Mm-hmm. What can happen, especially in sermons like this, what I don't want people to hear... I don't think what I don't think Paul or any of the apostles ever wanted people to hear it when they give, uh, they're issuing commands, right? They are commands, and you can think I'm I'm not good at those. I haven't obeyed that well. Uh, in this context, I'm not humble. I'm not tenacious. I don't have clarity. I'm a hot mess. Uh, God doesn't love me. And people think that. Oh yeah. They really do.
0: Yeah, I would say that um, in my. I don't know. Ten plus years of being a pastor, that the the number one counseling issue is how can I know that I'm actually a Christian? Yeah. How can I know that I'm actually saved? Mm-hmm. And the the reason for that is I'm doing something that I know I'm not supposed to be doing. Yeah. And so you you feel like um, if I'm not living a certain way, then my security is that's right, it's just
2: non-existent. So from the passage, I have to. I'm asking. Okay. What's in this upward call, right? What I press on toward this goal to prize the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We can wrongly think the call of God, the upward call of God, is just, hey, you died, God called you home. Yeah. But it's not that. It's much more than that theologically. It's actually massive. It could be a whole series of sermons, as you know. And for us, for the Christian, uh, when God calls someone, um, the security is found in that call. If he's called you home, upward, his uh, called it not begin then, it began a long time ago, and as we know, an eternity past. So kind of the Christian life, as I, as I look through, is broken up into kind of... Some, you can break it up probably in more ways than this, but the Christian life begins by God's call. Right? You didn't just stumble your way into this. This didn't come by your decision. God called you. 1 Corinthians 1-9 said, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son. So you're called into fellowship. You didn't call on God. You didn't, you didn't come knocking, right? You didn't come pursuing. He called you. This we know is the effectual call, which transforms us. Um, we experience an inward reality, which Paul experienced physically on that road. Right. Right. That happens to each of us inwardly. God calls, it transforms us. Um, but it also encourages us to persevere. And Paul says in First Timothy six twelve. Fight the good fight of faith and take hold of eternal life. Like we can often not use this active language, especially in the reformed world where we're very much about grace. But yeah. we're call, we're called to take hold of eternal life, right? Um, by which you were called. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's it's here in Philippians. Yeah. Right? By which you were called. Mm-hmm. So, what can motivate you to persevere in the life? It's the call of God. God's call has a calling on your life, um, and the call ensures that we know that all bad, that even bad things in our life, are working for our good. It's Romans eight twenty eight. We know that all uh, for those that love God, all things work for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, this this promise is not for everyone in the world. It's only for those that are called by God. Um, we know them as the elect. The call secures your eternal destiny. The promise of Romans eight thirty. Are those that are predestined he also called? Those whom he calls, he justifies, those whom he justifies, he glorifies. That's that unbroken chain, mm-hmm. the golden chain of redemption. So the calling, the upward call is is securing. Right? It has it's everything you need. It begins the Christian life, motivates you to persevere in the Christian life. It ensures that all the things that happen in your life, God's actually working for your good. And it ensures that you will reach completion. Yeah. I haven't obtained it yet. That's the idea. But behind the yet is I'm going to right, yeah, I'm going right. to obtain this. Yeah. It will happen. Mm-hmm. So you can't you can't think, oh, I haven't performed well. God doesn't love me. Right. So we've got to cultivate that in our lives. Yeah.
0: And right. again, it's by looking to Jesus. Yeah. Um. The answer that I give people whenever they are questioning, "How can I know I'm a Christian?" Um. You know, because what we want to do is we want to look back to um some conversion mm-hmm. point or baptism or you know when I joined the church or did I mean it? Did I you know did I what was I uh, did I pray right? Did, you know, right. all of these things. Um, and my answer is always the same: Are you trusting in Jesus right now? Mm-hmm. Like, it it doesn't not to say that it doesn't matter, right? But what are you doing today? Yeah, like, again, it's it's going back to that clarity of purpose. What are you doing today? Are you trusting Christ today? Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't matter if you made a profession of faith, you know, twenty years ago, and you're not trusting Jesus today, right? Um, you have to trust Jesus today. Mm-hmm. Um, and every day, as long as it's called today, you need to be trusting in Jesus. I, I think the, the one of the greatest stories that kind of ties all of these qualities together is the story of, of Peter walking on the water. Mm-hmm. You've got Jesus calling him out onto the water. It's in the middle of a storm, um, there's the the wind and the the rain and the waves. They're they're crashing around him. As long as he keeps his eyes on Jesus, he's walking on the water. Yeah. When he takes his eyes off of Jesus and looks around at his circumstances and realizes, "Who am I? I, I can't walk on water." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he, he sinks right. Yeah. Um. But if it was, if it was left up to him, he would he'd drown. Yeah. But Jesus is the one who grabs him and, and pulls him up. Yeah. Right. And he, he gets into the boat with Jesus and they arrive safely on land. Yeah. But that's a, that's that's that is just in a few short verses that is the Christian experience. Yeah. Of keeping your eyes on Jesus. And when you don't, he's still there. Yeah. He he still has hold of you mm-hmm. so that you don't drown. Yeah. You and you're going to make it safely to the shore. Yeah. yeah um, so, so all of these things they're they're just tied all together in keeping your eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. Mm-hmm. All right. Finally, the the last quality is unity. Yeah. So we need to have humility. We need to have tenacity. We need to have uh, clarity of purpose. We need to have a sense of security. And now, finally, we have to have unity.
2: Yeah. So where where is that in the passage? Here, it's the last uh, last verse, verse sixteen. Okay. Um, short little verse. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Okay. So <clears throat> we can see as like holding true to what we have attained is like just believe these right things, mm-hmm. but we can miss it, right? To hold true, we uh, we, we can kind of capture the same thing by the words faithful and true. Okay. Um, what is in mind here is uh, a military unit. Again, th- there's so many illustrations that Paul is drawing from the culture, because this the Philippi is a militarized society. This is where Roman soldiers go to retire mm-hmm. if you don't die. Which, I don't know how many of them made it, but right. apparently a lot. <laughs> yeah. You get a you get you get farmland. Thank you for serving. Um, you can retire. Give you a little piece of land to farm, yeah. and and this has gone for generations. So literally, you've got like old soldiers, you've got middle aged, you know, and then you've got the children of these people mm-hmm. that live here. So he's always using this terminology. Won't go through all of it, but this word literally draws to picture the mind, the image of the Roman soldiers marching in rank. Which would have been terrifying. All right, and that's why I kind of like this, because there's enemies in the church; they're trying to infiltrate. What he's telling them is to hold, hold, like to hold your rank, to get in line, and to hold rank. Uh, and so they have these tacks on their boots, and they'd march on these Roman roads, and, and they're, in, they're, they're in step with each other. Yeah. So you hear, foomp, 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 and like, like, what is that? Everybody knows what it is—the Roman. Uh, empire is coming yeah. with their with their force of their military, and I like that picture because he applies it to the church, and he tells them you've got to, you've got to hold true, and you can't do you can't do that by yourself. All <laughs> right, here's you on the Roman road by yourself. Yeah, how terrifying! Right, you're <laughs> right. terrifying. <laughs> you're terrifying the enemies of the church. Yeah. You on your solo march. Right, like it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. No, you know what I mean? So hold true. You've got to have the church. Yeah. And that was the whole idea of this. Uh if you want to be humble, you need the church. Yeah. You want to cultivate this urgency and tenacity, you need the church. Clarity of purpose, the church, security, who continually points me back to this to Christ, the church. Right. Like you just can't do these things on your own.
0: Yeah. And twenty twenty has really affected this. Yeah. Um, and, and it's also caused us to i think get a, a new appreciation and love for the church you know, when when we had the quarantine we we closed down uh for six weeks
1: uh-huh.
0: and um that's, at that's, the very beginning at the very yeah, beginning when we
2: thought five million people were
1: gonna die <laughs>
0: right um and it was painful uh-huh. I Mm-hmm. Mean, it's painful not to because we didn't we didn't do like a lot of other churches, we we didn't have the the online services. One of us wasn't standing up in front of a camera preaching, right? Because we wanted we wanted to feel that that pain, and um, our congregation felt it because they they were asking us why we weren't do, <laughs> why we weren't doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, because we know that something is missing when you don't have the church. You mm-hmm. you can't live the life of a Christian solo. Mm-hmm. Because that that's not how you were designed to to live the Christian life. You that that simply is not the way that God intended us to uh, to go through life. We're we're called to be in community with one another. Yes, and so um, twenty twenty has affected that for um, a multitude of Christians.
2: A lot of people have left church and not gone back. Yeah. Talked to a lot of friends that are pastors, and mm-hmm. some of them are missing half their church. Wow. So what I mean, what do you what do you do then? Yeah. I mean, I think eventually you're going to have to you're going to have to personally call on these people. Yeah. Um but I mean, you know, that we j- you just can't live this way. Yeah. So, um
0: and it's dangerous to do so. Yeah. It's dangerous to um you know, it's, it's like the Roman soldier by himself. Yeah. And you you may you may be a Roman soldier, but you're still all by yourself. Yeah. And if you face enemies that outnumber you, you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And um, I, I think that a lot of Christians, or at least professing Christians, who are are kind of putting the the church as an afterthought, I can be a Christian by myself. I, I don't think that they are um, seriously thinking about the dangers a, a of great, this world. A great
2: example of this is Ravi Zacharias. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, I just had a... Conversation with my cousin last night, who really looked up to him a lot, mm-hmm. it really affected him. Yeah, um, and I can understand why, because you know, someone I looked up to had a moral failing like that, and it can really, it can really, uh, can really rock you. But yeah. I think when you look at Robbie Zacharias, I've, I've seen other people kind of analyze it. Yeah, I mean, he had no church accountability. Yeah, who was he accountable to? Right. What fellowship was he a part of? Even though he's just you know, he's just teacher. He's a celebrity, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Has his own ministry, which right. you know. What church is he? Yeah. Is he holding true with? Not the church. And people, say, oh, this is the church. Well, the church universal. <laughs> right. Uh, that's. You need a local church. You can't obey Philippians by being a part of the church universal. Yeah. We're not saying you're not a Christian if you're a part of the church universal. But these commands that are given are meant to be carried out in the context of a local church. Right. And even celebrity Christians need a local church.
0: Yeah, there's there's a danger for these guys that they're never in their local church. They're always traveling. Uh-huh. That's It may be beneficial for the people that hear them, uh-huh. but it's detrimental for them. Uh-huh. Like They need to, uh, again, you, you're going back up to a sense of hum- humility. You need to have a proper evaluation of yourself, of your own weaknesses. And um, the... And, the, and he, the dangers that you're facing in this world, you're, you're facing not only your, your own heart, your deceitful heart, you're facing the world, you're facing the devil, um, you, you're surrounded. Uh-huh. You need to have someone who's got your back.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: You need to sit under the preached word. Yeah. Everyone, no matter who they are, even someone as brilliant as Ravi Zacharias. Right. Um, he he may be smarter than the pastors. Yeah. Right? But it's not so much about the pastor, it's about, the, it's about sitting under... The exposition of god's word yeah and so you know i you you see that it's detrimental right to anyone you think oh this person would never have a failing yeah. and uh, these things happen so
0: yeah so these are the the five qualities of christian maturity that we need to be striving for yeah. in the the coming year we need to be striving for humility for tenacity, for a clarity of purpose, a sense of security, and unity. Yes. Right. All right. Well, Jay, thank you very much for uh, for preaching that sermon for us. And next week, we will be getting back into John 16. Excited for that. Yes. Looking forward to that. All right. Well, I would encourage you to go back uh, to the Christ Fellowship Church uh, Facebook page or uh, website and um, listen to this sermon and be encouraged by it. Hopefully this has been uh, edifying for you, that you have uh, some things to think about as we approach the new year, Um, because it's right around the corner. Uh, Just a few days, we'll be in 2021, and so we want to go into this new year pursuing Christ. And uh, it is our hope, as always, that this uh, podcast, as we examine the scriptures, will help you to become more and more conformed to Christ.